Welcome to the new episode of Series Pachem, dear listeners, the podcast about transatlantic security and American foreign policy. It's 17th of December, and today we are your regular hosts, Dimitri and Vava, are here to discuss recent developments in transatlantic world. But before we jump uh, right into the newest topics, we would like to go back for a second to the topic that we discussed in the last episode, that yes. being the NATO summit. So we recently had a chance to ask a question to the Canadian ambassador to Germany, uh, Mr. Stefan Dion, and he's also the special envoy to the European Union. And he answered the question for us and, well, listen in what he has to say from the Canadian perspective of the, the future of NATO and the recent summit. We were lucky enough to take his comment. Listen exactly. We'd like to ask what is the Canadian approach to the recent fragmentations within NATO and disunities? Uh, during the recent summit, and would you say that Canadian interests were met during the NATO summit in London? We are relatively optimistic. Uh, NATO uh, uh, get out of this summit uh, united. Uh, they are, yes, we need to talk to each other because we need to make sure that we have the same approach. Uh, Canada is not certainly not against more European integration as long as it is not a duplication with NATO. Uh, and it's not a closed shop, that it's not a way to avoid to have a competition for our arms uh, uh, arms sale from Canada or the United States. If it's, if it's fair competition and if it's a way for Euro the European countries to strengthen their cooperation, uh, we think it's a good idea. Thank you very much. So, coming back to today's topic. The first on our agenda is uh, the last week of Congress session and government session in the US, uh, where we expect uh, the US government and Congress to adopt um, the replacement of NAFTA agreement, the new military budget, and of course impeachment procedure is going on. And that's all in the last three days before Christmas holidays. Um, another topic is, is uh, uh, the EU summit that took place last week. Yes, an important event for climate politics all over the world, I guess. Exactly. Um, and moving to the next topic is the meeting between President Putin of Russia, the first meeting between President Putin of Russia and Zelensky of Ukraine in Paris. And let's see uh, what are the results of uh, this lengthy meeting. And then we will briefly cover the topic of North Korea, which constantly reappears on our agenda of discussion. North Korea, which does not want to debate or to negotiate with the US anymore. Anymore. Exactly. So let the show begin. Let the show begin. So in our first topic, last working days of Congress and the government in the United States. What's, I guess, important for the topic of our podcast is to cover National Defense Authorization Act that recently passed through House of Representatives. So, Vava, uh, what's the importance of this uh, National Defense Authorization Act? Well, first of all, it's an increase in military spending. So this says a lot about the yeah. uh, policy towards different countries of the US. Yes. Uh, so we see a rearmament once again since the Cold War. And yes. well, would you want to put us through the specifics of the act? Of course. So it's the biggest military budget since uh, World War II, except uh, two years of the first uh, Iraqi war. Um, uh, and 
what's striking about this? So it's uh, 738 million uh, billion dollars, and it's pretty large budget. It's important. Huge. It's first point that you should keep in mind, especially when you're from the US. <laughs> yes, this is what your money goes on to not healthcare. Yeah. And let's let's dive like a little bit into difference uh, differences between Democrats and Republicans that they've been negotiating this uh, authorization act for a while, for two months, or, I guess. And the first thing that authorization act turned out not to be as Democrats desired it, and as uh, Democrats um, wrote agenda for this um, for this budget. So what were their goals and why weren't they met? So first of all, uh, uh, like I guess the biggest topic now in um, the field of uh, nuclear studies is that the US is going to deploy uh, low-yield nuclear uh, weapons on two submarines. And going to happen next week, going to be issued next week and deployed uh, or next week. They're going to be issued and deployed next year. It's very important development because it actually changes the structure of deterrence and of military, uh, st- the U.S. military strategy. Yes, it's interesting because in terms of intercontinental ballistic missiles, when somebody launches them, it's basically game over for both sides. Yeah, and with nuclear weapons and low-yield nuclear weapons on uh, submarines, you can basically start a nuclear war and perhaps yes. win it before the enemy even notices that something is going on. Yeah, actually, a very stupid decision, but I mean, with the Republicans in Senate and uh, in White House, it's it was it was done um, because they insisted on this provision to be included and this money to be spent on some kind of new uh, nuclear tactical nukes, as they called it diff- differently. Um, then uh, Democrats wanted to withdraw money from uh, from the U.S. help to Saudi Arabia and specifically from the Saudi Arabia campaign against um, uh, in the Saudi Arabia campaign in Yemen. Um, yes. And they failed to do this. So next uh, year, we are pretty sure that this campaign and the U.S. help are going to continue and nothing no developments uh, happening in this uh, in this uh, area and last one um, which is also important what democrats wanted to keep a check on president in terms of his policy towards iran yes so they wanted to um, make sure that if president decides to go to a war with iran he should first get some sort of agree uh, uh, consent from the Congress, and they failed to do this again because of Republicans in a joint uh, committee. Um, they also dropped this provision that was drafted originally by Democrats. So overall, would you call it a failure for the Democrats? Yes, I guess it's it's uh, a big failure uh, for Democrats, especially uh, in terms of House of Representatives is like mainly responsible for uh, drafting um, budget. Of course. But I guess because of the impeachment procedure, because of other things happening now uh, in House of Representatives, it was um, actually like abandoned, and they didn't want to go to nuclear. Uh, they didn't want to go to Christmas nuclear. My yes, <laughs> it's like professional. Um, they didn't want to go to uh, Christmas break without this uh, National Authorization Act. Mm-hmm. Um, so they decided to uh, adopt it in the f- in the form that was. 
beneficial for first of all Republicans. Yes. And we also have other things uh, happening now in the House of Representatives yes, in the Congress. Yes, the session is very, very active. Yes, we have like three days till uh, break, but uh, it's expected to... Uh, so the Congress um, probably going to adopt the replacement of uh, NAFTA agreement, mm -hmm. which is called TUSMACA. So actually, get Funny used name. to get used to this new name because no more NAFTA, no more NAFTA for you. <laughs> it's Mecca, uh, rules the North American continent now. Um, yes, and um, it's actually interesting. Uh, how do you look at this Vava? Because originally NAFTA is like the promise, campaign promise of Donald Trump, and actually gives more points to Republicans than Democrats. Well, uh, this is probably uh, a move so that the Democrats do not look. As very partisan. Keep in mind that yes. very soon we will have a vote in the House of Representatives about the impeachment procedure. Yes. So most probably this is a move for the Democrats to support some uh, initiatives from the Republicans, that being yeah. the NAFTA replacement, and then pushing an impeachment to the Senate. Yes. So basically, if they rejected this uh, this deal, this would basically make them look that they reject anything that the White House White House sends at them. Yes. And, well, they do not really lose that much by uh, approving it. Maybe they just give some applause to Donald Trump. But anyway, yeah. they're going to start the impeachment and send it to the Senate. And I think they will want to do it before Christmas. Basically, so, there is... Yeah, I think we should also talk about the impeachment right yeah, now. Yeah, impeachment, um, which is also uh, going to take place this week. It's a very intense. impeachment vote in House of Representatives. Then, then redirects uh, any uh, any further developments to Senate. Um, yes, uh, I mean, we, I guess uh, all analysts expect uh, um, partisan vote uh, on this issue in the House of Representatives, with probably probably some Democrats voting against impeachment because they think it's not very good strategy for uh, upcoming elections and it's a waste of time, so to speak. And that's actually a good point, probably, because when once impeachment moves to Senate, uh, they just don't have any chances so far. Yes, that's true. But do you maybe think that it's a strategy that they are, they are aware that they have no chance of actually impeaching Trump, but then they will start the procedure before yes. Christmas and they'll have to wait uh, to after Christmas for Senate to start any proceedings yeah. on this. And this will leave basically the entire nation discussing the impeachment over their Christmas Eve tables. Yes, so maybe it's uh, some sort of clever strategy for the presidential election next year. I mean, that, that was definitely the aim of uh, Speaker of the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi, to get this, uh, get this uh, impeachment done before uh, Christmas. And I mean, uh, let's see how it works. I guess they're pretty much very close to this vote and they're going to do this. Um, but I guess polls are very important in this context and everyone, every uh, political scientist, every political analyst now looks at, at polls because polls uh, indicate um, Trump's approval rating. And they indicate how the public reacts on this impeachment procedure. Yes, sir. Um, so uh, let's keep an eye on that. It's we interesting will. to come back to this topic after Christmas. But that's some uh, very hard, uh, I would say, hard three days in Washington right now before Christmas is done. <laughs> it is for sure. <laughs> so let's keep to, let's uh, switch to another topic. Yes, sir. 
moving to the next topic in our podcast, that's the meeting of uh, EU European Council that took place last week. So what happened there, Baba? So basically, it's an important milestone for European mm-hmm. politics in terms of climate politics. Yeah. Uh, basically, uh, the European countries agreed on being, what they say, uh, climate neutral mm-hmm. by the year 2050. So this means those every country will be absorbing as much carbon dioxide yes. as they emit. So uh, it's a first success for uh, mm-hmm. Ursula von der Leyen because this is her uh, this is her agenda, because basically almost every country accepted this uh, this deadline of 2050. Well, almost every country, but for one. What's this country, Bawa? Of course, it has to be <laughs> Poland. Yeah. So let me dig dwell on this issue a little bit. So basically, uh, the Polish government said that it's not possible for them to achieve the yes. 2050 deadline. Uh, if this is true, I would not say so. However, I will defend them a little bit here, which I do very mm-hmm. rarely, but sometimes I have to. I have to. <laughs> um, well, basically, uh, Poland relies on coal as its main source of energy. Yes. Uh, and coal industry is pretty big. The entire region of Silesia relies on digging uh, and mining coal. And most of power plants are around coal. So basically, it will be super hard to, first of all, Uh, yes. Shut down the mines. Many people people would mm-hmm. lose jobs, and then to shut down the power plants because many people would again lose jobs, and you would have to provide something in yeah. in return. Okay, and those concerns are not only visceral in Poland, as far as I understood, but also in other Eastern European countries, for example, in Hungary, in and Czech Republic. Yes, the Czech Republic is also an interesting topic because they wanted the EU to recognize nuclear power. Mm-hmm as a source of a green source of energy because well mm-hmm. it really is a green source of energy so they wanted the EU to recognize it as one so that they can get some funding yes. to build nuclear power plants which would then substitute their current coal mm-hmm. uh, coal uh, power plants but well they did not push it through they still agreed to the 2050 deadline yep. and uh, well about Poland uh, it said that the topic will be revisited in six months six in the new in the, in the next uh, summit So maybe we will see some some breakthrough then, but I am not sure. Yeah, let's. I guess it was important for like uh, the last. Like uh, it's, it's it's important to show some kind of unilateral agenda. That's yes, exactly, exactly. This divide wasn't really presented in media. Like there was some kind of divide, uh, and they they gave Poland, so to speak, some time to think about this agenda, to have some negotiations with other heads of state, and so on, and with the European Council. Well, I think this decision is uh, bad because, first of all, yes. it weakens Polish position on the negotiation mm-hmm. table because they're basically isolated in okay. the EU, and it's also bad for the EU because it doesn't. It shows yeah. that EU is not a one body in the international scale. Yeah. It shows that EU is not. Well, they cannot even agree on such a important topic as climate mm. change. So, mm, well, I I still I'll, I condemn this decision. I think yeah. it's not necessary. However, I understand where it comes from. Okay. So, do you expect uh, some any kind of uh, developments in the future? So, uh, and maybe it's like some kind of bargaining strategy to get money from like to be sure that they're going to get money from the EU and then to sign Uh, the agreement. I think it all depends on the coming 2020 presidential elections okay. in Poland. It will determine everything. Oh yeah, that's that's actually very very important. And I guess that's it for uh, European Council summit. Yes. So let's move to the next topic, uh, which is um, uh, which is the uh, the meeting between uh, President Putin and Zelensky in Paris.
And the next topic on our agenda is the meeting that took place in Paris uh, last week that lasted for, was like a non-stop meeting uh, between, so in, in so-called Normandy format. Exactly. Uh, between uh, President Putin, President Zelensky of Ukraine, Angela Merkel and Emmanuel Macron. So this meeting was, I mean, first I think it's important to maybe maybe mention that it lasted for I guess like almost ten hours, non-stop negotiations, hardcore. That's hardcore a long stuff. time. <laughs> yeah, but they didn't actually uh, come to some breakthrough agreements. Well, there were some developments. Yeah, but it's important to keep in mind that it was like the first meeting in three years in this format. So it's very important to understand that the decision to continue this dialogue is already important and crucial both for Putin and Zelensky. Um, what they agreed, it's not a lot. Uh, it's basically two highlights. Uh, the first one, they agreed to exchange prisoners uh, by the end of the year. And we all, like all communities, waiting for this step. And another one, they agreed to uh, disengage military forces in three additional regions, uh, border regions. Um, which is not much, as you can see. Yes, but it's still something because, as you said, it's the first meeting in three yes. years. So it shows the willing to at least have a dialogue about this issue. I mean, yeah. And basically, mm, I would sum up uh, President Zelensky's actions as he wants to end the war, but he doesn't want to back down yes. from Putin. I mean, that's very important for Zelensky to actually conduct this negotiation because the day before the summit, we saw some protests like in Kiev. Mm -hmm. People demanding not to give any uh, concessions to Russia, for example. So you see this pressure. So he is bound by his electorate, yes, basically. Uh, pressure inside Ukraine. Um, but the talks uh, definitely were important, I think. They show that um, at least this format, like Normandy format, and this Minsk uh, Accords, they're still alive and they still can be implemented. Just um, the question is, how long will it take to do this? And uh, another question is uh, uh, Russia's willingness to do this. Exactly. Because Russia is the main uh, player and the main actor. Well, honestly, I think that without at least some concessions, it will be impossible to yeah. end the conflict in Ukraine. What I could see happening is perhaps... Uh, yes. Well, let's look at Crimea. Basically, most of the world already yeah. kind of accepts Crimea as part of Russia. Yeah. You have like Crimea being marked as part of Russia and maps, yeah, I mean, etc. So maybe we could see a deal saying, okay, you can take Crimea, but get the hell out of yeah. Eastern Ukraine. For the long perspective, I guess uh, what's going to happen, because I mean, the question of Crimea is just not debatable in Russia. It's just already closed. And it's the part of Russia, according to Russia. And yes, can, it will be super hard to convince them yeah. to, to behave otherwise. <laughs> and you can, you, you should have a war with Russia to claim uh, Crimea back, which no, we one don't wants, really, no one, no really one wants, wants to have. have a war with Russia. But yes, it's important, and I guess it's important for Russia to get this agreement uh, um, um, in about Eastern U uh, Ukraine in order to have some sanctions relief. That's what they hope for, um, and that's uh, what all those negotiations are about in order to somehow stabilize, normalize the, uh, the EU-Russian relationships. They, Russia has to come to some sort of agreement with Ukraine, and that's what uh, President Macron and Angela Merkel, they kind of um, 
help them to do this. Yes, that's what they are. That's why they are on this table, and that's why they also negotiate um, this thing. Well, I guess we'll have to wait for the next meeting to review yes. any developments. And it's important that they agree to meet in three months. Yes, in this is uh, in Berlin. Uh, it's it's already something. So they already have like this framework um, when the uh, framework wor- working framework, and they're definitely going to draft and come up with some. Um, not, not, not an agreement, but some proposals to other side, and let's see how it works. Very intriguing question for the, fir- the the next year. We shall see very soon. We definitely shall see very soon. And let's and move on to the next topic. Last topic. Last topic for today. So now we move on to the last topic for today, which is North Korea. As always, back on our agenda. Yeah. So what happened with Korea? Basically, the Korean envoy to the United Nations officially mm-hmm. proclaimed that there's under no circumstances will there be any further negotiations with the U.S. That yes. ba- the U.S. should basically back off if they have mm-hmm. any issues. We can they're happy to resolve it militarily. So what does it mean for international relations? Well, this basically proves all of the efforts, uh, such as the visit of Donald Trump yeah. to Korea, basically were for nothing. Yeah, uh, we're back to the situation from like three or four years ago. Yeah, um, it's very important, especially, I guess, uh, for transatlantic security and for American security and American politics, this development as they dropped uh, these negotiations officially. um, Now we have a situation where um, North Korean nuclear program is taking shape, is going on, but you have no kind of like another like negotiation track at the same time. So it basically means that the conflict is going to escalate mm-hmm. in like next year. I'm pretty sure about are that. You, are, are you sure it's going to escalate because the U.S. still wants to negotiate? The U.S. still wants to negotiate, but I guess first it's very important to understand that the next year is a presidential year and Donald Trump is going to spend a lot of time on his campaign trail across the country and he basically won't have any time, I guess, on this issue. And second, um, they already like tried to do something, and all the efforts failed because you reached the stalemate. And it's not like actually stalemate, stalemate for North Korea, where you say, uh, "Well, you should drop your nuclear program ASAP, but uh, we're not going to provide you any sanctions relief until you drop it." And and what North Korea, North Korea says, um, I mean, we actually want to keep some nukes, probably. Or we want some more guarantees, we want some kind of steps um, with the economic relief right now in order to negotiate further. Yes, so, and well, about the nuclear arsenal, they're still uh, testing new missiles and new ways of yes. delivering those. So the recent tests have shown that they're getting closer and closer to developing a very reliable uh, yeah. intercontinental ballistic missile, which is already a threat to the US. Yeah, I mean, uh, we are definitely back to the point in time, it's like something like 2017 where escalation was very uh, it took very um, sharp uh, pace and well the difference is that North Korea is only closer to having a good nuclear, good arsenal, nuclear right arsenal not like four years ago yeah. and I mean it's also on this uh, agenda of uh, great power competition because I mean for China for example and for Russia it's actually kind of beneficial to have this uh, kind of country that can actually provoke the conflict in Asia um, and so on 
Well, I guess we'll have to just keep keep an eye on this. Yeah. Let's jump into the 2020 more dangerous world. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> more dangerous, yeah, um, because of the North Korea. Getting definitely. more intense every day. So, and that's it for today. It is. Uh, thanks for listening to us. Uh, subscribe to our podcast on all kind of platforms that you listen to us. Rate our program. And, and I guess we'll see you after the Christmas break. Yeah, let's let's uh, with our news coverage. See you after the Christmas break. So have a good uh, vacation and weekends. And goodbye. See you.